This Short Code podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at mededmedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the Short Code podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews by students for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcoat.com. Welcome back to The Short Coat, a production of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. I'm Dave Etler. On today's show, we've got Jenna, listener Jenna, with a question about whether to purposely choose a school that is far away from all she knows as a way to broaden her horizons. I plan to rant about everybody's coronavirus wussiness, and we'll practice our communication skills with the Whisper Challenge. To help me with all that are my co-hosts. Say hello to MD-PhD student Aline Sanduk. Hello. M2 Nicole Hines is with us. Hi. Uh, she's brought a friend who I won't mention. We like we like friends. <laughs> we like friends. A little a little tiny friend though. Yeah, guest hosts go last though. Yeah. So uh, f- for the first time we have M1 Lola Lozano. Hi. Yes. And M1 Albert Pedroza has joined us as well for the first time. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, before we start today, I want to say that today's episode is sponsored by Panacea Financial, a division of Sonabank, member FDIC. We're going to talk, uh, or I'm going to talk with co-founder Michael Jerkins, MD, later in the episode about why a MedPeds doctor like him started a financial services company. So uh, stick around for that. Lola, Albert, you uh, are reaching the end of your first semester. Before you got here, though, where were you and what were you doing there? Um, do you want to go first? No, you go ahead. She literally drank one after you up. <laughs> okay, so do you mean in the summer? I want to know what you were doing before you came to med school. So before I came to med school, I was working as a phlebotomist at the hospital in my hometown. I was also working with the public health department. Shout out to the South Heartland District Health Department. Um, we were doing a lot all of, of... All our listeners in the South whatever public health department. <laughs> yeah, it's a long one. You should tag them in the post. Yeah. <laughs> it's a long name. I don't know if they have an Instagram, but... So I was working there. Um, obviously, you guys know what a phlebotomist does, but at the public health department, we were basically um, tracking COVID cases. So when everything hit, um, there really wasn't a template for how to go about things. And so the health department developed their way where they would get positive test results and then they would contact individuals and then just follow up with their contacts. So I was doing that. I was helping them with phone calls. Um, They also have like a monthly immunization clinic where individuals from the community go. It's for um, people without insurance and um, people with Medicaid and things like that. And so I was working as an interpreter there. And really I was helping the health department with just anything they needed. So if they had some sort of project that they needed done, I would jump on board. Um, I didn't really have a specific role. I was doing a little bit of everything. That sounds cool though. I like that. Yeah. It sounds like a good way to get your your, uh, pre-clinical experience or your pre-med school experience. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I was thankful because... God knows public health departments <laughs> need, all uh, the help need some get. help lately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was, grac- er, I was blessed because uh, the executive director, Dr. Beaver, she was a really nice, um, she was a really nice lady who 
just gave me a lot of opportunities to take on different roles. And so it really not only helped me understand how public health works, but also allowed me to um, just develop skills and everything. I mean, I was also doing like a diabetes class at one point. So a little bit of everything. Nice. What did you do before you started med school, Lola? Yeah, so I am originally from Texas, from El Paso, Texas. And then I did my undergrad at the University of Arizona in Tucson. Um, Hated math and science in high school. So I thought I was going to go into musical theater. Didn't get into the program, which turned out to be the biggest blessing in disguise. And then wound my way into science and medicine. Um, <laughs> yeah. I feel like there's a lot <laughs> missing there. Like wound your way into like suddenly I was in a science class. Yeah, yeah. well, it was it was a lot of little steps. So I didn't get into musical theater. So then I thought, okay, well, psychology isn't that intense in science. You know, you can do the BA or the BS. And I was like, I'll just do the BA. It's flexible with career options because I don't really know what I want to do. Um, and then the spring of my sophomore year, I ended up taking a course called Drugs in the Brain, which was all about neuro and like molecular mechanisms. And I just fell in love with it. And so slowly from there, then I was like, oh, maybe I'll just shadow a physician. And then I ended up switching to neuro. Um, Yeah, and then I graduated, and I worked as a lab tech in Illinois. Um, My partner's out there, so I followed him to spend my gap year, and I think that that gave me a really great appreciation for all the work that lab techs do. Um, And so during that time, I was interviewing. Um, Iowa was my first interview. I actually saw you at at that interview, Dave, which was really cool. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, it was great. (laughs) Um, Albert, too. Albert dropped in, too. Yep. I stopped in because I wanted to tell Dave hi and oh nice that i was a avid listener yeah my bodyguards my bodyguards were not (laughs) doing their jobs (laughs) (laughs) well i'm glad you're here um wait one second what you neglected to mention something very important which is that lola is actually an md phd oh yeah i forgot lola is an md phd student i am md phase right now obviously and which explains the science that featured so prominently in your story yes And I'm actually an M1. Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's just so mature. God, you gotta correct me when it happens. It's, it's complicated. I know it's I didn't. I didn't correct you on the name a couple times ago. It's, it's all messed up. <sighs> I should learn to speak up if more. If only there was a way for me to not make these mistakes. It's just impossible. <laughs> you know, he, he actually does this on purpose as some type of hazing ritual, so yeah. feel very lucky. It's no, just that the hazing <laughs> extends for the entire period that I know you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, I'm glad you're here. Um, and, uh, oh, and I forgot to mention, I don't know if I can mention this, you guys, now. I feel, she made me feel all cranky. Now you're just teasing the listeners. Well, they're not going to, I'm going to cut all this out if I choose. No, we should, but just like never actually say who the guest is. <laughs> yes. Just imagining to it. Yeah. You hear, here's a, yes, here's what I'll say. If you hear an occasional, can you, can you, can you imitate the sound? <laughs> <laughs> if you hear an the best I can do that sound, it's from our uh, it's it's from our um, what do we call him? Just he's just to hanging out. He's just hanging out. Our guest, our guest, podcast our guest with us. Undisclosed podcast guest. He may chime in. Yeah. We'll see. They're going to think it's like a sobbing medical student in the corner. <laughs> like that's what it sounds like. <laughs> that's, that's what these under that are. desk You're gonna over there. You're going to scare people away. <laughs> um. Well, I'm glad to have you here. And, and all of you are either from elsewhere or attended undergrad elsewhere if you came from Iowa, yep. um, which is good because I have a listener question from Jenna that you might be able to help me talk about. Uh, let's hear from uh, Jenna. Hi, Shortcoats. 
I have a question about picking medical schools. So broadly, the question is, is there value in attending different schools throughout your career? So to kind of walk you through this, I'll give you my example. So I did my undergrad here at the University of Iowa, then I've been working here in research, and I just got accepted to the Carver College of Medicine, which I'm super excited about. I also have an interest in doing a master's in public health, which would then be an additional degree that I would get from the University of Iowa. I love the Carver College of Medicine, and I'm super excited at the prospect of going to medical school here, but I don't know if I am limiting myself by staying in the same place that I've already been for four to five years now. I feel like I could be missing out on the discovery and growth that comes from being in a new place. I love Iowa City, I have a supportive community around me here, and of course, Carver is awesome. I'm hesitating because it just feels so easy to stay here. I like the idea of moving to a different city for school to meet new people and be surrounded by new experiences, but I also feel like Carver College of Medicine aligns best with me. So I was just wondering if you could give a little bit of advice about this. Thanks. This is a this is a hard question, Tough. Mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know which way that I'm instinctively going for, but I am, I'll, you know, I'll admit that I'm biased. Um, what do you guys, what, what's your guys' reaction to this question? That last thing she said really stuck out to me. Which was? That Carver, she thinks Carver aligns best right. with her. I think that is, I mean, if she's got that's a whole most bunch important of, to me. She's got a whole bunch of schools that have said yes, for instance, or even a few schools that have said yes. For med school or public health school? I didn't catch med that. Med school, I'm oh, gathering. Yeah. Carver, she said. That's us. Um, I, I didn't realize. <laughs> they started calling it Carver College of Medicine after you got here in, you know, 19, 1992. I, uh, mm, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, don't be passive aggressive about it, but. <laughs> um, yes. Okay. So she's, we've established she's happiest. She thinks she's going to be, her best fit is going to be Carver. Um, but is she missing out on if she doesn't go to other schools? I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I value my comfort. You know, like some people really thrive in novel situations and, and um, uh, you know, with new experiences and meeting new people. Um, so I may be the wrong person to ask. I prefer to just, you know, sit right here where I've been for the last 18 years. <laughs> I would definitely say a little bit yes, because yes. Yes, she would be missing out on a little bit of, um, like she mentioned, growth. So it's not to say that you can't grow wherever you are, um, but I do think it can be slightly more stressful once you leave the place you've been been in for a long time. Um, So if she were to go somewhere else, I think just the fact that she would have to meet new friends, she would have to find out if she's able to make new friends and... Um, obviously she will be able to, but what I'm trying to say is that she has to establish herself in a new place, which mm-hmm. I think is a really good opportunity to look at yourself and be like, well, who do I want to be? And if you, if you're staying in a place where you've already been, you sort of already have an identity. And that, again, that's not to say that you can't grow, but you know, if you go somewhere new, you have that, ch- that ability or sorry, you have that chance. Yeah. Like you could, you could go to, you know, Arizona and adopt that 
French accent you always <laughs> wanted to adopt. And then when your friends from the different places meet, be like, hey, don't worry about that accent. Yeah, just, That's yeah. just... Yeah. I'm trying it out. It. <laughs> I'm trying it out for a little bit, see how it goes. No, I mean, it's a... It's, it's a yeah, it's a great point. Um, you came from Nebraska. Yeah, I'm from Nebraska next door. I mean, I don't imagine that there's a huge difference. It's not much different. My uh, roommate and his girlfriend actually joke about it. And they're like, well, it's the same thing, right? Like, basically, I went to Nebraska. And I'm like, yeah, to an extent, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. You came from Texas, though. I did. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that feels different to me. <laughs> it is different. I've, never, I've not been to Texas, but. Yeah, it's it's different. It's been a while, obviously, since I um, since I was in Arizona, but still Southwest. I've loved the Midwest since I've been here. Um, I've definitely experienced the Iowa niceness. So, um, for those listeners who don't know, I was known for being just super nice. Um, so I think it's been a great change um, in terms of our listeners' decision. I think right now it's such a difficult time to make this decision. I mean, I cannot imagine going through this process of picking where you're going to be for the next four years um, when you can't actually go. Because like I said, when I interviewed at Iowa, even though it was the first place I came to interview at, I I basically knew that this is where I wanted to go. And I still like went to my other interviews because people said, you know, keep an open mind. And I think that that's great to do during your application process is like keep an open mind. Um but I think this goes back to the conversation you guys had last week where evaluate it based off of what is important to you. Mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to be here for like several very specific reasons. And so far, like those have not disappointed. Um, so I think that that's really what it comes down to. And I don't think that there's any shame. You know, I don't want our listener to feel any shame of saying, oh, I want to stay in Iowa City because this is what's comfortable. I think that people always say, you know, go out of your comfort zone. But if y- nothing's broken, <laughs> you know, you don't need to fix it. If you have connections here and those are helpful and also during this weird time, you have an established community. As hard as it normally is being in a new place and forming connections, it's it's hard even for people who are in the place they're from to maintain community right now with everything going mm-hmm. on. So that is something to think about for her. Also, medical school is not the only opportunity you get to experience different places. Mm-hmm. and live like yeah it is the next four years it's the most pressing to consider but there's still residency and fellowships and then jobs beyond that there's you have opportunities to expand your horizon if you decide um i am from iowa from central iowa but i did undergrad in arkansas and i knew i wanted to come back to iowa <laughs> <So>. <laughs> nothing against arkansas <laughs> There is a lot of growth, though, that can come from being in a totally different place. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, I don't really talk about this on the show very much, but I moved to Europe alone a few years ago before med school. Um, I moved to Germany and I didn't speak German that well. Um, And it was really tough, but I managed to get through it. And um, it is helpful to be able to compare. It's very growth provoking to be foreign for the first time and to be truly foreign Mm -hmm. for the first time in your life um but again there's a lot of there's a lot of stability and continuity and staying in the place where you've been so i don't i don't fault her for that you know yeah i think also something was like i mean i love arizona and i love my hometown but i was always ready to move on Mm, um so if she doesn't feel that urge if she genuinely wants to stay in Iowa City again. And I don't think that shame should be the driving factor. Um, 
Yeah, no, no guilt. Yeah, yeah. No guilt. Make your decision based on other factors than, yeah. than some sort of weird, you know, like idea that you're failing somehow if you don't um, do go what you go somewhere. Yeah, do, yeah, do what yeah. you should do, what people think you should do, or what even what you think you should do, if it's not going to, in the end, change your life. I mean, the thing about the thing about all these questions is that about this sort of question is that it predicates. It's predicated on the fear that if I went somewhere else, things would be better. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, there's no way no. to know that. Yep. Yeah. You know, there's no way to know that. Um, I mean, I can tell you that, you know, whenever I look back on the decisions that I've made in my life, um, it's clear to me that nothing that I have now would exist. Right. Yep. yep. But I would mm-hmm. have something else that I, you know, like I wouldn't, <laughs> you know. Like, you're not going to sit there. I don't think it's, I think it's unlikely that when you're, you know, an old man like me, I don't know, she sounds like she could be an old man someday. <laughs> when you're an old man like me, you're not going to sit there and go, boy, I wish I had had, had an, a completely different life. I mean, maybe you will. I don't know. Well, some people have regrets, but I'm, it's not usually that. It's something very specific. Right, like, right. I wish I had worked less on the weekends. Yeah. Right. Or whatever. <laughs> right. Treat but. people nice, you know, take some time for yourself. Yeah. Um, and then you will have no regrets. I don't know. I think make good choices. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Choices. I think another thing though is if you move somewhere else, you get a glimpse of, well, you get a different perspective of how individuals, like how society is wherever you're moving to. So, for mm-hmm. example, you move to Europe and you saw a completely different world, basically. Definitely. And so I think it also allows you just to get to know people better in terms of the way people people are. There is that. You know, like you could you could argue that she could be a better physician if she went to med school in, say, I don't know, Philadelphia. Yeah. Wherever that's not Iowa. Right. Because it it exposes you to a different environment, a different group of people, you know, different, you know, way of looking at things, um, different, you know different different needs for living yeah diversity of exposure leads to diversity of thought and like like not to bring it to an economic point but like something we talk about in diversity in corporations is that like it's not just like the right and ethical thing to do to be inclusive and have good representation but like companies that focus and prioritize diversity objectively do better like they make better profits and it's because different people from different places bring different mindsets and different ideas to the table but you can get that experience oddly you can get that experience in iowa and you do it for instance by becoming part of i don't know the global health program Mm -hmm. Which we have an awesome global health program. And so you can, yeah, so you can experience um, healthcare from around in some other place Mm -hmm. um, than Iowa. And, you know, we say global health, we always think about, you know, like outside the U.S., but we have also have opportunities to do projects within the U.S. I don't, you know, I don't know how much they're doing right now in COVID times, but, you know, like um, the point is that, you know, maybe in a year, when you get here, there's going to be those opportunities to get experience elsewhere. Um, whether that's by participating in the global health program, by, by participating in the free mental health clinic, by participating in, you know, community hospitals in Des Moines, um, all that kind of stuff. There's all, there are, there are ways to get those different. And med school is going to take you right out of your comfort zone, comfort zone. Anyway. So <laughs> yeah. that's what you're interested in. <laughs> yeah. You're going to get I think the biggest, Yeah, the biggest point that the listener mentioned was like she, I mean, she had to travel to all these other places to interview 
right? Or did she interview during all of this? Do we know? Well, I, I, yeah, no, I would assume probably during this season. It's no. For this season, I think most schools are just doing um, Zoom interviews. Okay. So I don't think she would travel anywhere. I right. think there's only like one school in Alabama that's mm-hmm. doing in prison. And we don't actually know. She didn't actually say, I think, in her question that she grew up in Iowa City. She may have grown up elsewhere, but she did say yeah. for the last four years I've been mm-hmm. here. Yeah. I, I, she may come from somewhere else. I don't know. Yeah. So, well, anyway, the point that I was going to make is that she seems to have a good impression that like this is the culture that she's going to mesh with the best. And like, that's what we talk about on the show all the time is like, it's not about the prestige. It's not about the location. You know, all of those things are important, but like mainly do you fit in there and are you going to be happy there? Do you feel like they're going to take care of you and things like that? And it sounds like she feels that here, which is good. Thank you, Jenna, for uh, sending your question um, into us and for recording it so I could play it during the show. Appreciate that extra step. Um, we did. Speaking of uh, prestige, though, we did get some listener feedback from Bun Bun on our last show um, in which we discussed whether medical school prestige should be an important factor in deciding which schools to apply to. Bun Bun says he or she is attending an Ivy League school and feels like we were uh, dismissive of the value of a prestigious school. Um Bun Bun wrote, sure, there is some differentiation between an institution's undergraduate versus graduate programs, but I'd like to argue that more often than not, nobody is, oh, I I should say, they're referring to the part of the conversation where somebody said, I think it was Greta said, um, some Ivy League medical schools don't have the same um, level of academic um, support, goodness, than, than their undergraduate institution. So that was something to be careful. Um, yeah, yeah. And Bun Bun wrote, sure, there is some difference, differentiation between the institution's undergraduate versus graduate programs, but I'd like to argue that more often than not, nobody is splitting hairs the way you guys discussed. The proof is in our match lists year after year, all of which is public information. <laughs> Where our graduates match and to what specialties they match into really speaks for itself. Um, it also speaks to the way our students are regarded by other program directors at brand name programs. Every graduate for the last decade has matched within their top four ranked programs. But have you seen our match list? (laughs) I just got, you know, so I just got Bun Bun's email this morning and being short on time, I picked Harvard to see if they published their match rates. Um, Mm -hmm. In 2020, they seem to have matched 98% of the class. Um, Although um, those who didn't, they call that pursuing non-clinical training. Mm -hmm. Um, That's really good. You know, like I'm not going to, you know, that's, that's a great match rate. It's not a hundred percent, but it's a really good match rate. I don't know which, of the Ivy League schools Bun Bun goes to, so I can't really you know do that. Um, but I do want to point out that we weren't arguing that Ivy League schools are a bad idea. Correct. That's what I was going to say. We're just saying that there are things to discuss that may be more important in making a decision on what school to attend. Um, Bun Bun also took issue with our advice about regard about disregarding the name of medical school because it all ends up in an MD or a DO at the end. Um, felt that was misguided, um, said with step one becoming pass fail, other aspects of an application will matter. This means research step two and you guessed it, medical school reputation. I would actually advise a student to get into the best school that they can get into because guess what? It won't hurt come residency application time. That's a very subjective assessment though. Like I hear, I hear it's all subjective though. I mean, yeah, I hear what the reviewer is saying. Like they, I, I think the way they took this is that they they felt personally challenged in their yep. decision to prioritize prestige. No one on the show was saying that like these schools are inferior. Like no one we is making the argument. We could not make that argument. Yeah, there we, is no way to make that no argument. No one's pooping on Harvard, right? But what we were saying is that 
that's not the only thing you should consider for such a big decision, yeah. honestly. We, we, we said the information you learn is equivalent, Yeah. whether you go to Harvard or Iowa, yeah. for instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bunn is right that with the absence of you know, a numerical step one score, other factors will gain in relative importance, perhaps. But again, I'm not sure that best means Ivy League. Well, I'm not sure that best means Iowa. I'm not sure that best means, you know, Caribbean school. Um, One's interpretation of best is going to depend on one's priorities. Exactly. And so I'm not going to, I can't blanketly say, and I don't think we did blanketly say, I went back and listened. I don't think we blanketly said that you should avoid Ivy League schools because they're not best. Um, Well, and like I mentioned earlier, I think he's having this experience at whatever Ivy League school he's at. But I would argue that some of his classmates surely are having a different experience and would maybe recommend to think about the culture, for example. I think you guys, I listened to the podcast and I think everybody mentioned culture. So figuring out whether you fit in the culture, uh, figuring out what you want from the school. Um, I had a professor tell me, uh, don't or don't underestimate the impact that the culture at the school can have on you. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think that's a big thing as well because the school will change you. Like the culture of the school will change you, and you have to decide whether that change is going to be a change that you want in your life or whether you want something different. And I think that's what everybody was trying to get at, right? Yeah. You have to know what that's you want. What I want. hoped we were clear on. Yeah. That's a really good way to put that. I like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's different people prioritizing their values differently yeah. and like where like where they rank. Like yeah. some people are going to rank prestige higher. Some people are going to rank that, that culture and what they think they're going to get out of it. Um, and those all play into what they think is their best fit. Um, but then how they rank those into how they'll play into how they make their decision, it's, it's going to vary for every single person. You know, aside mm-hmm. from Harvard's excellent match rate, what I didn't see on their site and what no school will ever tell you is how many students washed out before graduation. Um, mm-hmm. I'd want to know more about why those people dropped out. I would never be able to get that information. It's not, there's, there's no way to get that information. I'd also want to know how happy the students who matched were in the end, um, how their interactions were with support staff and faculty, um, what their incidence of mental illness is among that, uh, among graduates, and how supported their students felt when times are tough. Mm-hmm. There is a survey that students fill out as they approach graduation. It's called the Graduation Questionnaire, or the GQ, that gets at some of these issues, and they allow students to compare the re- their results with the national results. But um, schools use that internally. It's not you know sent to the whole world. So you can't really look at one school versus another school and compare them in that way. Um, so you know, absence that sort of info, I, I stand by our advice. Our advice, I think that the name recognition of your school has benefits, but the decision on whether to attend a school is, I mean, for me, you know, it has to be about more, it has to be about how your vision of medical education and there's aligns, the kinds of support you get, um, both emotional and financial. Financial, you know, can't discount the financial support that you might get at one school versus another. That was a very good point we made. Is yes, that- it was a very good point. We made. <laughs> I mean, among <laughs> all of the many great points, that were, but that was a big one. And I, I mean, look, I remember. We, resident cost of attendance at our school is three hundred twenty thousand dollars for for the four years, uh, while Harvard's is three hundred ninety six thousand four hundred. Yeah. Whether the Harvard name, um, you know, if, if, you know, all other things being equal, which they probably aren't, but all other things being equal. If the difference between the two is, you know, the name Harvard and the name Iowa. Yeah. Well, then you have to decide if that extra cost is worth it. And Iowa, Iowa is prestigious as well. Like everybody is familiar with the University of Iowa and understands what the University of Iowa brings to the table. Mm -hmm. I think it's more about how they have a 
great podcast, but (laughs) 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 a a different one than one we're doing right now. We don't have a conflict of interest. No, surely, (laughs) surely not. Yeah, I think um, two things that like stick out for me is that at an Ivy League like that, would you feel comfortable addressing the faculty or staff about an issue that you have? Like, I feel like here you can actually have a voice. Like just this morning, I sent an email and I was like, I, you know, was this didn't meet my expectations. Like, this is what I was hoping for, you know, and then we can have an honest conversation and people are really receptive to that and we can listen and make things better. But are you too intimidated at an an Ivy League for repercussions or retaliation? And we have a lot of discussions about that here, about, you know, retaliations if you make a comment or something, Mm -hmm. um, standing by and defending your ethics when you're in a rotation um, and a position doesn't like it. Well, you know, one thing we didn't talk about on last week's show as something to look for is, you know, how much do this does the school that you're interested in applying to value your perspective on what they're doing Mm -hmm. to you? That Mm -hmm. speaks volumes as well, because if you have an institution that's receptive to the students, ultimately the students are at one point going to take over these roles. Mm -hmm. And so if the students feel like they have, and obviously, you know, we're all in medical school, PA school, PhD school, grad school, whatever. So I think everybody generally wants to improve everything. So if the institution's believing in the children, per se, um, I think that speaks volumes not only on the institution, but about their want to grow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there it should be this like melding of each other, right? Like we mm-hmm. should be able to exert our influence for the better and they should be able to do that with us. And yeah, we should all be open to growing, not just throwing out and following curriculum and guidelines. Um, the second thing I was going to point out was that they mentioned going to an Ivy League is helpful for getting into a good residency. But I think a lot of people forget, like, you know, when you're pre-med, you're so focused on getting into medical school, it can be easy to forget, oh, I'm living right now. And I feel like that's a constant theme throughout life is where you just forget that you should be focusing on also being happy where you are right now. Like that is, if not more important, because you just don't know what's going to happen down the road. And if you're succeeding because you're in a happy environment, you're probably going to do better anyways than if you were miserable somewhere else. 100%. Yeah. I agree. It's not just where you're going for med school the next four years. It's where you're living life. Yeah. Yeah. You could go to Harvard and do terribly or come to Iowa and just be a rock star and take advantage of all the opportunities that are offered to students here and put together a stellar application that gets you into the place you thought you were going to have a leg up at by going to Harvard. Yeah, I agree completely. So I'm sorry that uh, I, I usually hate this for, sort of apology, but I'm sorry that you got the impression that we were bashing Ivy League schools. We didn't mean to give you that impression. We didn't mean for you to get that impression. Um, I'm sure, you know, whatever school you go to, I'm sure it's awesome. Um, otherwise, you wouldn't feel so compelled to write in and, and defend the idea. So, you know. And we appreciate the feedback. Yeah, we, we really, really do. do. I, I, I'm not being facetious when I say that, you know, I, I believe that you must feel that you must be having a good experience at your school and thus feel compelled to defend the idea. Um, I'm, you know, congratulations on finding your match um, for your school. That's really the most important thing. Go Hawkeyes. <laughs> <laughs>
I want to remind our listeners that um, that uh, my opinions are not the same as the University of Iowa's opinions or the Carver College of Medicine's opinions or the opinions of virtually anybody else on this planet. Before I say that, today's show is brought to you by Science and Reason. Let's just say... <laughs> Let's just say that you're in the middle of a global pandemic. Doctors and... I mean, I... I totally theoretical. This is totally. probably not going to happen ever <laughs> in our lifetimes. But doctors and scientists insist, are insisting that the best way to prevent the spread of the, of the, the pathogen is to wear masks and to stay at home and watch TV and to avoid gathering with family and friends for a few months. This is all very inconvenient. Oh, But on the plus side, you get to keep Aww. your friends and relatives alive and healthy. And I know that's not much... But it's something, you know? I'm getting a little tired of hearing about how people don't want to do this and they want to do this and I want to, I want to go, I want to wear a mask. I want to, I want to go to Thanksgiving with my family. I want to, you know, you can't tell me what to do. Look, and we respect those things. No, we, those are all very valid, <laughs> th- you know, despite... I'm so going to get myself into trouble. <laughs> despite the way you are impersonating these people, those are valid concerns. But they are also, valid concerns. Are they worth I'm gonna killing say, people you uh, care about? What I'm about to say is this. This is a war. The invaders are tricky. They are hard to see. Their weapons are terrible. It's guerrilla warfare. They can be held at bay simply by covering up a part of your body and becoming a bit of a hermit until we can destroy them with the ultimate weapon, till we can vanquish them. In the meantime, suck it up, mm-hmm. you wimps. <laughs> I'm not addressing you personally, listener. Sort of. Maybe I am. I don't know. If you're a wimp, then fine. I'm addressing you, but I doubt you're a wimp. <laughs> We don't have listeners like that. For God's sakes, we need to get a grip and start acting like the adults that we are. I'm, in, I'm you know, I'm including our families and our mm-hmm. grandparents mm-hmm. and our parents and our aunts and uncles and our brothers and sisters. We all need to grow up. Being adult is difficult. It has many challenges. Grit your teeth and dig in. Take up a hobby, mm-hmm. America. Oh, you can't go to a bar. <laughs> remember when 18 year olds were asked to go to Europe to fight Nazis yeah. they were yeah. asked to go to war to give up having a happy life all you have to do is to, and of course obviously, stay at home and watch TV not every yeah. home is a safe or happy one to quarantine in we recognize that we do recognize that but, it, but the, what, here's what we're seeing what we're seeing is that the vast majority right now the majority of the spread of coronavirus is due to family gatherings and gatherings. And, and yesterday there was a presentation by our CEO. And if I understood uh, your hospital CEO, and if I understood, did you guys watch? Yeah, a I little bit. Of you the should. Live you should. If I understand correctly, among hospital staff, the spread of the, vi- the the transmission of the virus is not happening here in the hospital, where you might assume that it is happening because we're surrounded by sick people. Mm-hmm. It's coming from family gatherings and shockingly, to my mind, gatherings, work gatherings. In particular, involving food and in, meals in mm-hmm. food where and you, meals. Ha- you have to take your mask off. But yeah, it's people eating together, I, which is so now, hard. Now, uh, look, I am not emulating our, our CEO because uh, as far as I'm concerned, he's a magician as, at, at not letting his um, annoyance... Um, get in the way of his message. He's so, a very good speaker. He's so good. Yeah, he's... He's so good. I want to buy him a beer someday 
He reminded I, me. I also don't want him to know I exist, but <laughs> <laughs> he reminded me of Steve Jobs a little bit. Like I was watching a little bit of the live stream and yeah. he has, I mean, really good transitions. He's and got everything. presence. Yeah. He's got, good, <laughs> presence, yeah, he's got positivity. Yeah. Yeah. He's got good energy. He did not once make fun of people for, go, for wanting to go to a bar or for instance. Yeah. Um, and so I appreciate that's not the that's not the best possible way to deliver my message, but it feels good. It feels fucking good. Also, what you have to consider is that all of, out of all of the million listeners that you have, the millions of listeners that you have, <laughs> oh. um, excuse me, billions. Yes. Thank you very so, much. Sorry, <laughs> a few have to be wimps. <laughs> Numerically, statistically, there has to be statistically some speaking, there has to be some wimps. Oh yeah. man. I'm so, if I've offended you, I'm sorry. I think it's valid, though. Like, I'm thinking about... I just think it's time for some straight talk here. Yeah. Oh, no. But I, I like, I... Obviously, we're part of the College of Medicine, so I have been really strict with myself. Um, but, you know, I did... I talked with um, our MSCP director a couple, like, a month ago and said... I haven't seen my family since last winter, so I need to get out there and see them. Is it okay to fly? Should I be renting a car and driving? I don't know what to do. And so we had a discussion. Ultimately, I decided to buy the flight. So I'll be wearing, you know, my gloves, my full face mask and face shield um, through the flight. But, you know, I get off that flight and I still have to see my family. And then, you know, I'm there for a week and a half. And then I have to see my partner's family. Am I going to be in this full gear? The whole time. I don't know. Like, I'm genuinely asking people's perspective because... I think if you're going to make the trip, this is my personal opinion. If you're going to make the trip, then you have to suit up the whole mm -hmm. thing right now. You're coming from... Yeah. I mean, you know, no offense, Iowans, but you're coming from the shitty, mm -hmm. shitty Iowa place right now. I mean, we're among the worst in the country as far as transmission rate. And I think, uh, you know, like, I, I we... We made the decision to cancel our planned trip, you know, we and we had, you know, sort of precautions that we were going to do. Like we were going to, you know, we were going to um, get tested before we left. We were going to quarantine while we were there. Massachusetts would make us take another test on entering and we would wait for those results before we unquarantined. And that was how we were going to do it. And in the end, I just thought, you know what, I can, I could not stand it if it turned out that I got somebody sick on the other end. Like I couldn't stand it. Mm -hmm. um, it would be a huge blow to who I think, it would be a huge blow to what I think is important to me. I don't know if that makes any sense. But anyway, the point is that I, ultimately I decided, you know what, next year, you know, and, and uh, I don't know if, you know, I think we should all just get back in there. And by that, I mean, inside our homes <laughs> <laughs> and just hold the line for a little while longer and hope that you know, springtime comes, we have a workable vaccine. And if we don't have a workable vaccine, we can reevaluate. But I think I would probably end up making the same decision personally. Yeah. And I think like a big part of like why I'm saying this too is because I take this very seriously. But I know like some people out there that I will be seeing don't take it as seriously. And I want them to hear it from my actual community. Like I was tempted to send out that email that we got. You know, saying from, this mm -hmm. should scare you. Like, yeah. you should be scared. Yeah. yeah. Um, Dean this Rahal is so sent, serious. Dean Rahal sent a very frank email. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think with like talking about breaks, so we have Thanksgiving break and we have Christmas break. We're coming back in between. Like, I don't know how many students are thinking about traveling, how many students will actually be with their families for Thanksgiving, but we still have to come back. Yeah. for a few weeks and if our cases are rising into like in that period like it's going to be affecting people while they're taking their finals like i personally i don't think that's a good time to be getting sick um like stress <laughs> levels are going to be much higher but then 
like what is it going to say if we come back from Thanksgiving break and our numbers have just we've we've lost control of them yeah. because then I really think we're going to have to start evaluating what happens when we come back from Christmas break. Yeah. That's yeah. even that's even longer. Or yeah. to be honest, whether we come back. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think it's almost but I, I, I'm looking at it like it's almost a trial run. <laughs> but I'm I, yeah. I'm addressing this and I want to be clear and I should have made this clear up front. I'm addressing this to people who have a choice. Right. Mm-hmm. And I do think that that is, I don't know, I could be wrong. I think it is the majority of us in this country. We have a choice as to what action we take, um, at least in terms of whether to go visit with family, whether to mask up um, and all that kind of stuff. There may be situations that I don't understand where it's more difficult to make that choice. But, you know, these are desperate times. And I think that we all need to start thinking about you know, whether I, I think it's time to take the, those desperate measures that feel so awful. Um, and it, it only works if we're all in this together. And I think that's been the problem mm-hmm. is that some of us are doing it, not everyone. And we just those of us that are obeying these rules and being vigilant can't compensate for the number of people mm-hmm. that aren't. That's yeah, right. there's mm-hmm. so many people that are not obviously, for example, simply wearing masks. Yeah, I, I like, see a lot of people not wearing masks. Like I, yeah, a lot. I, Johnson County is actually, or well, Iowa City is actually feeling pretty good right now, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in terms of mask wearing, and that shows in the fact that um, our county is yellow mm-hmm. and not deep red like the counties all around us. Unfortunately, you know those uh, those ba- boundaries between counties are not walls. <laughs> yeah, and see, <laughs> they don't really exist. And so, you know, like it's it seems to be spreading. And I haven't looked at I haven't looked at it today, but I do believe we changed a shade of color in the negative direction in the past couple of days. Mm. And so that shows that we, you know, just because we are doing the right thing, lots of other people for whatever reason aren't able to do that. And that's that concerns me. And see, that's my question because I remember when COVID first started, I went to Boulder, Colorado Mm -hmm. um, and immediately I saw everybody wearing masks. Like there was nobody that... um, Well, that was just to filter out all the pot smoke. (laughs) (laughs) Partly, but they weren't Actually, it was to keep it in. in. (laughs) They're trying to box in their face. They weren't wearing like gas masks Literally hot boxes. But yeah, I saw every, I mean, everybody was wearing a mask, no matter if you were in a gas station, if you were in a restaurant, like everybody was just on board. And my question is why everybody can't be on board everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was just going to say to some people's credit, everything has been so disorganized lately, different guidance coming from different people. No one knows who to trust anymore. And I think we're sensitive to that. We recognize that. But Doing more is almost, you're not going to lose anything by being extra cautious, but you have everything to lose. The answer to confusion is to do the most stringent thing. Yeah. And everything will get better. And then it really will disappear eventually. Yeah. Okay. Uh, If you are offended by anything we have said in that rant or anything I have said in that rant, please feel free to uh, write to Donald J. Trump. At, no, I mean, please, <laughs> please feel free to write me and express your butt hurt. Um, so we can so that mock we can, you relentlessly. No, this, just kidding. So we can have a dialogue. So, so we, we can, can have a dialogue. dialogue. I like the mocking better. <laughs> yeah, well, there's going to be definitely some of that, but, you know, conversation you guys, too. You guys, everyone knows that communication is incredibly important in medicine. A physician must be efficient and careful when conveying information to his patients and his colleagues or her colleagues. 
as nothing will mess up her day like confusing claustrum and colostrum. A truly competent doctor. Oh man, I've made a okay. I've made a terrible mistake. This exercise <laughs> revolves around lip reading. Oh. <laughs> oh. oh. And last night, after I wrote this down, I made the decision that we were all going to wear masks during today's show. That's hilarious. What do we do? That's it. I'm not wearing a mask anymore. <laughs> too much. Even I have my limits. No, I'm just kidding. Oh my gosh. Should we just maybe goof we should off just, some more? Maybe we should just goof off some more. Can I take this off? Like, can you mute my mic so I can adjust this? I don't want to like mess up the sound. Oh, uh, yeah. Hang on. Okay. Uh, actually, I don't know what mic you are. So just go ahead and I will. It says four. Uh, I will worry about it later. Okay. Thank you. Sorry. My this ear is having so many issues. I just wondered how con how confusing is it that uh, we were just talking about how important it is to wear masks, and we just decided last night that we were going to wear masks while we recorded this. Is yeah, that, that well, none of this is going to go in. <laughs> you cannot actually do this exercise now. I uh, will literally have to go back and edit parts of the, sh the, the intro to the show where I said this is what we were going to do because we're not going to do that. Yeah. The takeaway is everything is I all need, over the place. I need, I need more people helping me with this show so that I don't f*** this up so bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I've decided I need right now. All right. Uh, what else are we going to talk about then? Now that I don't have that. Um, well, I'm just going to throw this out there. Um, me and Albert were talking before the show that it sounds like they're going to call the election today. 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 Yeah. I didn't hear today. Yeah, we should look. Let's see. I, I, I went into some surprises last this hour. morning. Okay, so this may be a dumb question, but do they hand count some votes? Some they states must, do. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well. Always do like they have a, a team of people, nonpartisan, right? Of like it, it's not politically driven. Allegedly, allegedly, yeah. <laughs> um, some people, some states have like the machines, the scantrons, you, basically. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it just depends. We don't have one unifying mechanism, unfortunately. Which I don't understand why you wouldn't use a scantron. When I voted here, because I voted at one of the high schools here, it was really easy. Yeah. And I think it's just the mo most efficient way of tallying the votes. I don't think anything's changed in the last hour, so. Okay. We're still. Last week we were like, oh, maybe next week the world will have ended. <laughs> yeah. Um, that clearly didn't happen. I didn't really believe the world was going to end. I think, it, you know, no matter who, you know, we're, we're all going to survive. It'll be mm -hmm. fine. We may, we may be eating our pets. <laughs> and, or turning to cannibalism. We don't really know. Yeah. Let me. All up in the There's air. a lot of pets though. Yeah, if, I could, if, if I could look at uh, Nicole's hedgehog Carl right now and oh, find yeah. out like how if, tasty, if only you how could. tasty would Carl can be. I? But you know, clearly we're not there yet. Yeah. Um, you know, you can put this in the show or not, but something. Look, while part. we're offending everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there was a very interesting segment on a podcast I listened to talking about this this new emerging trend of liberals like getting guns and getting educated <laughs> with guns. Yeah. And I thought I was alone. I don't own a gun, but I did take a gun class recently just for fun. Um, because in the state of Iowa, wherever you are, you are very likely within 50 feet of a gun. Yep, you know? yep. So they're around, and I feel like it's my responsibility. You're within to six feet of a gun right now. <laughs> <laughs> There's one in your desk. Yeah, I in have your seven. 
I mean, I, I should know how to operate one at least. You I know? think it's very important to know how to operate one. Yeah. yeah. Christine took a skeet shooting thing once. I mean, that's that's a sport. Yeah. A what? A yeah. S- skeet shoot. Skeet shooting skeet. You. It's the one where they throw the clay pigeon. Oh, into I've the done air. that. You have done that. It wasn't a class. It was just in the desert. But you I didn't did know that. what it was called, Lola. No, I thought it was. Yeah, I thought it was just a pigeon, <laughs> <laughs> like a clay clay pigeon. It is a clay pigeon. Yeah, it's yeah. for some reason yeah, they call it, skeet, it is. skeet shooting. Right? Well, it's skeet. Yeah. There's skeet, and then there's trap. Oh. Oh. So there's like two different. You're opening a whole new world of two different variants of and violence against uh <laughs> inanimate objects that, that fly yeah and to be honest i don't know the difference and there's details like i think it might be related to what sort of shot they use oh interesting um or the rules but there's just like some nuances between the two yeah i actually went like a couple weekends ago for my stress relief, I went shooting. Yeah. It's very empowering. Did your victims like, appreciate sure. it? No, uh, that's, I'm not making that the, joke. That's terrible. The Shoot what plastic, the, the pink plastic flamingo. Yeah, it uh, it had seen better days. You shot pink fla- plastic flamingos? Maybe. Yes. <laughs> I, it's it's okay. I don't think in, in front of a giant wood pile and all this. It was out in the middle of nowhere. This is a, this yeah. is a thing that that uh, people for people in Iowa do. Yeah, so do they have any the gun ranges in oh, Iowa yeah. City? I don't know. I don't know where Iowa cities would be, but I'm sure they do. Okay. I think there are a couple. There is a group that gives um, open carry classes like around Iowa, and most recently they had one in Iowa City, and I think they have it at like the, the fire department union building. Okay. Um, but I don't know if there's any ranges. Yeah, there's a, there's one, uh, on a manor road, wherever that is. Are they all outdoor or are there any just completely indoor? I don't know. We should go to a, we should have a podcast (laughs) trip, (laughs) road trip. We've never done a road trip before. It'd be fun. That would be fun. So much fun. You know, it is, it is an interesting place to be. At, like the couple of ranges I've been to, it's not like the rootin' tootin' Uncle Sam kind of environment you think it is. Like everyone's extremely serious. <laughs> Uncle Sam. I think you meant Yosemite Sam. Sam. Yosemite Sam. Sam. I'm not from this country, I so wish whatever. Yosemite <laughs> Sam. I wish Yosemite Sam was our national symbol. Yeah. That would be yeah. incredible. Um, yeah, that is what I meant. But, you know, it. It's. it's not the casual environment people would think it is like yeah. everyone's very responsible and very yep. serious there are very strict rules you know you you never point your gun anywhere but at the thing you're gonna shoot at yep, yep. um no they're responsible i mean yeah. if you do anything slightly wrong they'll kick you out for sure yeah they right, how about serious. we go how about we get this does that hatchet throw we can't do this it's we're in the middle of an epic i just finished telling people not to go places and i'm like proposing all these field things <laughs> Let's go to the hatchet place. Let's, you know. Yeah, it can be done as long as we're safe, but. If you rent it out. Let's go to the COVID spitting range. (laughs) (laughs) Just rent out the whole hatchet throwing facility. Somehow to me, hatchet throwing is way more dangerous than shooting guns. That's pretty. Because they bounce back. (laughs) They they bounce back and they can cut you. I mean. Yeah. It's a big deal. It's, It's pretty violent. Yeah. The the idea that like the idea of throwing a hatchet into something. Yeah. Apparently it's pretty easy, no? Is it? I have no idea. I've never done it. Yeah, your roommate just went, right? Uh, I think he went like a week or two ago. I'm not sure. 
Yeah, maybe it wasn't him. I thought it was him that was like telling me Why do me you that. know about his roommate? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're, we're at the, our anatomy table together. Yeah, so. I don't know what Lola's talking about. Yeah, <laughs> maybe maybe I was talking to someone else, yeah. <laughs> don't rat him out. Maybe he doesn't want people to know. Yeah, that. yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's not into, he's not a hatchet rights yeah. person, you know. There's so we're, many funny just comedian bits around guns. I think my favorite one is Chris Rock's bit about like, you can't outlaw guns. You should just make bullets be $5,000 each. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he, he like impersonates a guy saying, I'm going to get a, I'm going to get a payment plan. I'm going to get some bullets on layaway. I'll meet you back here in two years. <laughs> Hash this out. And then go back up to the person, and take the bullet back. So. Uh, Are you planning on becoming a gun owner? I don't think I'm going to buy a gun. I don't I don't think we feel comfortable having a gun in our home, but knowing just how to be around one and not like sweat profusely, I think is a good <laughs> idea. They're very expensive yeah. actually. Like, actually, I don't have any idea how no, much a gun costs me. No, you could get one. It depends on the quality of gun that you want. Obviously, sure. if you want like a Beretta, you're going to be paying more, but if you yeah. get like a I don't know, there's the cheapest shittiest gun that you can find. I don't if I want to cut corners on a gun. <laughs> or, or you could just build your own gun. Even more, I trust myself even less than the shitty employees they have building this shitty I'm going to get my gun from, from Ikea. <laughs> I have a friend that actually bought a shotgun for like $250. Sure. Yeah, I like mean, a brand new, I think a 9mm is what we we're looking at. And I think they're like $600 new. But you can get a used gun. But the thing I am concerned with with a used gun is like, what did you use it for, though? <laughs> Why are you getting rid of it? <laughs> what am I getting myself into? Well, as long as yeah. the VIN's not filed off. Yeah, exactly. Should be all Why? Right. Where's the serial number on this <laughs> yeah. thing? Yeah, I don't know. It It is maybe not a bad idea. All right. Look, let's write this down. One year from now, when we're all, you know, visiting our families and, 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 and going to bars and stuff, we'll go to the hatchet thing. We'll... <laughs> We'll shoot guns. We'll, uh, I don't know, go to the COVID spitting bar because that doesn't, that's not a, a thing whole, anymore. A whole episode about personal safety, yeah. basically. One year from now? What's going to happen? Here's what I, well. Somebody said it's supposed to be like six years Shut or up. So. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. Somebody said, well, it's a pandemic. If you look historically, pandemics have lasted for a few years. So we're mm-hmm. looking at maybe eight, six you know what, everybody? Forget the middle part of the show. Today. <laughs> <laughs> Just breathe deep. <laughs> breathe real deep. I made a mistake. I made a mistake. Well, I mean, there is the problem that most people are not. It seems like half the people in America anyway are not interested in the COVID vaccine right right now. That's right. true. For various reasons, some of which are you know not good reasons, and others which are yeah, all right. Well, also, didn't they stop a trial because somebody got sick? No, I, th- I mean, I think they did. They have a couple of times now, but that's like normal trial thing. You know, every once in a while somebody gets sick and you've got to stop and figure out like, okay, well, why the did they get sick? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Um, and you pause the trial and then you start it up again. I don't, I don't remember hearing that it was like done with. I think it just... There's a normal pause. So the biggest piece of news I heard recently is that they found a strain of COVID in mink. Yeah. In Denmark. 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 Right. Which Denmark. coincident. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So they're going to call cool. all these massive mink farms, which mm-hmm. is just heartbreaking. Yeah. But yeah. 
and it's supposed to be a more virulent strain or something like that. I haven't, if they reshut down, I thought I saw something about like them trying to get um, citizens quarantined because they're trying to contain this new. Wait. Yeah. So it's linked to human transmission? Yeah. Apparently, uh, like, it jumped from humans to mink. Um, and that's a big industry in Denmark, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're worried about it making the yep. jump back to humans. So that's why they're they're going to um, have a mass mink genocide. Is uh, Carl, is Carl yeah. feeling okay? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's fine. Okay. Just, is that a sniffle? Do I hear him sniff? I'm just checking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Check. I think it's not just Denmark, but I think <laughs> Germany and France are also instituting. And Germans are very upset about it. Oh, they, you know. They like their mink coats? No, uh, no, no. Just like they, they're having another lockdown oh, okay. across okay. Germany. And they thought they were out of the woods. So... I'm sitting down today with Dr. Michael Jerkins, a recently graduated resident in internal medicine pediatrics who's taken the unusual step of co-founding a financial services company, Panacea Financial. Dr. Jerkins, thank you for sponsoring the short code and for sitting down with me for what will be a series of discussions about the financial issues that everyone in medicine needs to understand, uh, especially for those just starting on their journeys. Uh, Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me, Dave. I'm excited to be here. It's kind of an interesting spot to find myself in, only a few short years removed from medical school, where I actually went to medical school at the University of Tennessee and then for a med-peds residency at the University of Cincinnati and uh, Cincinnati Children's. And I've stayed around Cincinnati as an academic primary care physician and then have, as you mentioned, started a national financial company directed uh, just for doctors. Well, okay, so let's start there. How in the world (laughs) did you decide that you wanted to start a national financial company? I mean, this isn't even a normal company. This is like a highly regulated industry with lots of paperwork. Um, Where did this idea even come from? This is a great question. Well, as the old saying goes, uh, necessity is the mother of invention. And based on my experience and one of my co-founders' experience, who's also a MedPeds physician, we found that a financial company that actually understands doctors and medical students and residents was actually necessary. So just as a kind of quick story for me as a medical student, there was a few times that money was pretty tight. Mm. Uh, the first one I can really remember was when my first born was, was born in my third year of med school. And at that time, my wife worked for a small business and we didn't have the best health insurance. In fact, it was so bad that our deductible was about $7,500. So we were welcome with a pretty hefty medical bill in which I didn't have any loans available for me through med school to pay for. We eventually had to put a decent amount of that on our credit card. And then as a resident, I had something similar medical bills for another one of my kids that came up. And actually, I went online and tried to find out, is it easy for me to get a you know personal loan for a couple of thousand dollars? And they actually wasn't. In fact, they offered me pretty high interest rates. And, and that was 
that was with having me ask somebody to be a co-signer on my loan, which was pretty frustrating getting done with you know ICU shifts where I'm entrusted with people's lives and then I go home and uh, a bank doesn't trust me with a couple of thousand dollars so yeah. so this frustration boiled over and Dr. Ed Palmer a co-founder who's based out of Boston now we had this conversation of his frustration was basically out of his student loans and not being able to get those refinanced and we basically said why isn't there a company that really understands doctors but especially doctors in training because most banks look at us as med students or residents and see uh, a number and uh, several other numbers, which is a high debt burden, limited income, maybe limited credit history. So they don't really see a medical student or a physician as a customer that's actually busted their tail to get where they are and is, is ready to enter a steady job market with good pay and is actually extremely trustworthy. So. Not only that, but as a resident or med student, I couldn't get someone on the phone at a bank because I work crazy hours. And if I did, I never could get the same person twice. So you don't really feel like you get any good personalized service. So fast forward a few years, and now we have co-founded a company with two others, Tyler Stafford and Anna McGrath, who are in the finance uh, world as their background. And we are backed by uh, a large publicly traded bank based in Virginia, who has given us some pretty amazing resources to make this idea come to life. I love that you're unable to get a loan for a couple thousand dollars, <laughs> but you're able to start a financial services company. That <laughs> That's seems so like... It's funny because if you get done, or when you get done with the residency, all of a sudden banks really want to be your best friend and they want your business pretty badly, but only a few short months earlier, you don't fit in their nice little box of a good customer. So they don't really give you the time of day usually, which is where this idea came from. And, and again, the bank is very supportive at letting us build this on a national scale to address a very specific group of people in a, in, a, in a really unique way. So you're a brand new company. You've got some pretty ambitious plans, which have already begun? They have. Yeah. So like e-banking, personalized banking, loans, including student loan refinancing, mortgages, and even business services. You've even got a scholarship program for minorities underrepresented in medicine, I understand. Yeah, so some of that is is active now, and some of that will be in the near future. So we have some pretty ambitious plans. It's actually crazy to think about these ideas that we had as residents are now coming to fruition. But right now, we do have online banking. We have a mobile app. We have a completely free checking account with no ATM fees, which is helpful for me, especially as a resident when I relocated from one location to another. It would have been very useful. We also have a money market account that has interest rates that are about six times an average average. The thing I'm really excited about too is is we have a program that we're calling primary care bankers. So the the title kind of hints at what it what that role does, but essentially every customer who's a medical student, resident, fellow, or attending physician gets their own personal banker assigned to them that's only a phone call or text away to answer questions or problem solve. And kind of circling back a little bit, too, with my story from from residency is we have a loan program we're excited about called PRN loans. So some of that verbiage, again, will be familiar with folks in the medical profession as needed. We use a lot in in medicine, but you can get access to personal loans as a as a fourth year med student and on in as little as 24 hours. You don't have to have a co-signer and the rates are less than half of a normal credit card. So no other you know opportunities like that when I was 
was a, a med student that I was aware of. So this is a pretty exciting product that I think will give a lot of people some good tools. And then soon we will, in the, probably 2021, we hope to have physician-specific mortgage products. And again, like you mentioned, I'm really excited about our community engagement efforts, which were really laser focused on trying to do what we can as a financial company to, to better medicine. And one way we're trying to do that is to strengthen the pipeline of underrepresented minority physicians, which is a pretty big issue in my opinion. I mean, you look at the stats, 14% of Americans are black, yet there's only 4% of all physicians that are black. So, And it's actually getting worse. If you look at the stats uh, about the students that are entering, entering medical school from underrepresented minorities, that the number has fallen, actually, in the last 20 years or so. And so it's a very complicated problem. We certainly don't think we're going to be able to solve it all by ourselves, but we do think that we'll have a position with a, a good amount of resources uh, that will actually fund from some of our profits. And we hope to crowdsource some funding too to, to contribute to grants for residents and fellows for things like research or board prep or travel to conferences and or scholarships for medical students. And we also are going to fund some other like-minded organizations with our, with our profits. So we're really excited about that opportunity and really starting that from day one is a big priority for us. So it's clear that, you, that you're looking to have a big impact on physicians and physicians in training. What do you think those impacts will be? Yeah, so I think there'll be some fairly big impacts. I mean, I, I, I first want to say I don't want people to borrow more money than they need to. Well, uh, that's, that's not something we as a company are going to yeah. try to cram products down people's throats. And we, obviously, we already have a high debt burden as physicians. But the reality is, for a lot of medical students and residents and fellows, training is not getting any cheaper. And we're not getting paid a lot more. And so there are times where you are going to need some some financial services, specifically loans, that we hope to have a really good solution for for physicians and, and medical students, as well as, you know, a digital bank that really moves with you. So instead of having to find a new bank after medical school to residency, you can keep the same bank and have the same banker who knows you, who knew you as a med student and can help you with your mortgage as an attending. That's that for us is a big uh, big selling point because we don't want a medical student to think they're getting any less treatment or attention from our company as an attending. You've, you've uh, spent a, probably a lot of time getting this company started, you and your co-founders. What have you learned about physicians becoming entrepreneurs? That's a great question. It's really interesting because I think, and I'm biased, of course, but I think physicians have a really unique skill set. One where we are trained to really critically think, question, uh, think about things like quality improvement, workflows that really can apply to other sectors as well. In fact, I do think it's a little bit of a shortcoming perhaps in our medical training that you're not exposed to more arenas where you could really apply these. But what I've found is that this skill set really does lend itself to a lot of different processes and, you know, from anything from building this website to building these products to working with the bank and underwriting team and credit team and everybody that's been a huge help there to come up with a solution to a problem that that we think can be pretty useful. But I do think that physicians have tons of opportunities with their training to do a lot of really interesting things that they might not even be exposed to as a medical student, resident, or fellow. I'm really glad you reached out to us for this series. Next time we talk, I think you'll be back to tell us about things that we need to know about medical student debt, right? 
That is right. Yes, the ever really uh, happy topic of medical student debt. I'll be, I'll be talking about next week. All right. Well, shortcuts. No matter how far along in your journey you are, visit panaceafinancial.com to find out how Dr. Jerkins and his company uh, can help you along the way. That's panaceafinancial.com. Thank you so much. Uh, we'll talk to you very soon. Sounds great. All right, we're going to close this out. This was honestly, I have to say, one of the best shows. I may be biased, but there was a lot of great banter flowing about. Thank you. You know what? It's not often that I get a real-time review. Usually usually people write to me and they're like, you did a shitty job. Most times I get a good review uh, long afterwards. First real-time review, I think, probably. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's good to, obviously, going back to the med student at the Ivy League, you, you know, everybody has their opinions, and I think sometimes it's good to stir up the pot a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, well, I think I think we stirred today. That's our show. Thank you, Nicole, Lola, Aline, Albert, for uh, chilling with me today. Uh-oh, he's, he's doing a number two. Are you doing number two? <laughs> <laughs> a med student is pooping on Dave's desk. What a way to close the show. Aline... <laughs> and thank you. What kind of ding dong would I be if I didn't thank you, Shortcuts, for making us a part of your week? If you're new here and you like what you heard today, subscribe to our show or wherever oh. else fine podcasts are available. Uh, if you didn't like what you heard today, don't want to hear it. Um, <laughs> Just don't I remind listen. You, I remind you that your questions are vital to the show uh, because they mean it can be what you want it to be about. So send your questions and comments to the shortcuts at gmail.com or you can leave a message at 347-SHORT-CT and we'll talk about it on the show. While your podcast app is open, and we hope you'll be the kind of listener we're always grateful for. Give us some stars and a review uh, to let us know if we're doing this podcasting thing right. Uh, thank you. Uh, the show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College Medicine Student Government, an ongoing support from the Writing and Humanities Program. Our music is by Dr. Vox and Catmosphere. Talk to you in one week. Yay. All right. Got a-